0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: The following production is part of the
2: We Be Geeks podcast collective.
3: Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. How's it going? Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We got a great one for you this week. I know I say that every week, but this one is a super special episode. We are talking finally about WandaVision. That's right, folks. We are talking about the Disney Plus show that has come and been a little decisive in some ways to some of the fans out there, but it would be very interesting to hear what our thoughts are on this because we've been holding off because we've wanted to talk about this a lot, so it's going to be real interesting to do, and we've got a great crew to talk all about this. The first real new show for by Marvel on Disney plus it should be real interesting to see, and of course, the man who is no vision to me is Mr. Mike Gordon Howdy. How are you this week, sir?
4: I am stuck in a sitcom!
3: Oh, my life would be called God's sitcom, you know. So it's okay. I do understand that completely. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to talk all about this one. And, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, we are going to spoil it. Even though the show's been over for, what, two weeks now?
4: Still, people need to know that we're going to go into an in-depth discussion. So, uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen all of it, uh definitely wait watch all of it because we recommend it and uh and then come back and enjoy our comments
3: exactly and we definitely would love to hear from you what are your thoughts on the show did you like it did you not what um did you think where is it going from here we're going to be talking all about that but we'd love to hear from you guys so please write us feedback at earthstation1.com let us know what you guys thought we definitely would love to hear from you And while we would love to hear from you, we'd also love to get feedback from you. Please, of course, leave feedback for us wherever you listen to this fine podcast. We're up on Amazon. We're up on Apple. We're on, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you could listen to podcasts. Earth Station One is there. And if you do find a place where Earth Station One is not, please tell us. We will be there. We'll invade. We have no problem with that. So definitely, please let us know and give us five stars and leave a review if you could possibly. It's how, you know, people find out about us and also how people, you know, just, you know, our ratings go up and our numbers and people, more and more people find us and everything because you tell them how great we are. And we do, really do appreciate it from the bottom of our heart. Speaking of appreciating it from the bottom of our heart, let's give a huge shout out to our friends over at Tofosi Optics. That's right. Tofosi Optics is here. In Atlanta, it's been in the high seventies, perfect sunglass weather. And Tofosi Optics is the people who supply Earth Station One with their sunglasses. That's right. We do go out sometimes, even in this day and age. We, you know, go out and we actually wander and you know look at people and say, Hey, where did you get those cool sunglasses and that face mask? And we say the sunglasses are from Tofosi Optics. You can get a face mask anywhere. But Tifosi Optics has really cool sunglasses, and you can get a really cool pair for just 30 bucks. And if you go and put the coupon code of EarthStation1 in there, you know what, folks? You get 10% off your order. Not just one pair, but your whole order. It's pretty awesome. So check it out, TifosiOptics.com. And now we're here with new friend of the show, director John Hancock.
1: Welcome, sir. I'm glad to be here.
4: We are certainly glad to have you, sir. Uh, and you've got a new movie coming out uh, that was made last year, Reddit, Girls of Summer. Is that
1: correct? Yeah, it's about a, a drummer in a country girls band. There's a lot of wonderful music, and it's on available on Amazon. It's available a lot of places, but it's on Amazon Prime, and people are liking it. That's cool.
4: That's very cool. Well, uh, for those people who may not be aware, you've actually, I mean, you've been around if i dare say quite a while right (laughs) yeah
1: 60 years 60 years.
4: yeah in a writer directing producing tv movies yeah you've done a lot of stuff how did you get started
1: well i started directing theater when i was in college and uh did some american premieres of european plays and people from new york came up to see them so when i finished college and went to New York. They helped me get started there. And I did a hit off Broadway when I was 22, a long time ago. I'm 82 now. Mm. And um, I worked in the theater for about 10 years. And then I got a grant from the American Film Institute to make a short. And it was about businessmen that played touch football in Central Park. Uh, and it turned out funny. It was a, based on a New Yorker short story that was very charming. So people liked it. And it was nominated for an Academy Award. And CBS showed it on their Thanksgiving Day football game at halftime. And it got me my first two features. And then I, you know, I've been working ever since.
4: Wow. Yeah. The, the first two features are something big. I mean, I think uh, a lot of horror fans are familiar with Let's Scare Jessica to Death.
1: Yeah, that came about through William Wyler's daughter, Kathy Wyler. Um, She was working for Joe Levine, who was a producer in New York at that point, as his development person. And she saw saw the Touch Football short, liked it, and recommended me to the Mosses that owned a bunch of uh, theaters, including the Criterion. That was the premier place for, like, Lawrence or something to premiere in New York. And they wanted to make a scary picture. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and they sent me uh, a parody of a scary picture called uh, called it brings hippie blood. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to do a parody of a scary picture. I said, oh, I'll do it if I can rewrite it and make it scary. So I rewrote it and it, uh, Paramount bought it and, uh, had a wonderful campaign and it made a lot of money.
4: Yeah, yeah, and then that led to the next movie, um, "Bang the Drum Slowly," which was uh, uh, again uh, um, nominated for Academy Awards, right? Yeah, uh,
1: it didn't. The sh- the uh, Jessica didn't lead to that. The short led to that. the The guy that financed that and produced it had only seen the short. Uh, I think, and he saw that uh, that uh, Thanksgiving halftime CVS showing, and he he was a Hilton lawyer from Chicago named Maurice Rosenfield. And he'd had a heart attack and kind of withdrawn from active legal business for a while and, and gone to Cub games for a year, for a summer. So he got excited about baseball and wanted to do a baseball picture and thought here was a guy that did a sports film and would probably be a good candidate to do a, a baseball picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: That must have been, but so did you actually um, like get to go? I mean, I think back then they still had the ceremonies, right? The whole pomp and circumstance uh, uh, of the, the Academy Awards, right? Cause we're in Academy Awards season now.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, they still have the pomp and circumstances if there's no coronavirus. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Yeah, sure. I went and I, I went out there all with my tuxedo and my then wife, they, you know, some designer, uh, asked if she could do her dress, and I went all per- i was told i would win mm. um but i didn't the fix was in well <laughs> no i mean it it of the three pictures it was clearly the best but at that point people voted um it it sounds self serving but people um you didn't have to see the pictures if you were an academy member so uh people voted by title and the, I think the one that won was called "The Resurrection of Bronco Billy," and it was a uh, a, a good title for Academy voters. Mm. Um, but they fixed that. Now you you can't vote unless you've actually and and the computer your computer knows if you've seen them or not. Hmm. So I find that
4: is that is that from experience? Are you uh, you're a member of the Academy and vote and do you yeah voting? sure yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I I made the mistake one year of of offering to help them narrow down the candidates for nomination of the live action short. Mm-hmm. And um, I I found it was a lot of a lot of bad films to sit through <laughs> in order to qualify, <laughs> have to, to have your vote mean anything. You don't have to watch them all, but you've got to watch. More than half, I think, of each one. So that's wow. that's a lot of you know of forty forty bad films to find five good ones.
4: Absolutely, that's that's cool that you would do that though. Because yeah, that's because uh, yeah, we've heard stories of Academy members just like you said, just kind of voting with their you know for various reasons other than the quality of the film itself. So,
1: well, I, yeah, I think. <laughs> for nominations it's it's more strict and you only vote within categories and you have to have seen them but I mean for the general vote I don't think you have to have seen the picture in order to vote for best costume design say or mm-hmm. I mean you, so period picture probably has a lot of advantages because you think well it probably has a lot of good costumes you know that kind of thing i don't I, I do academy members watch films uh yes, but <laughs> this is a uh a, a terrible year this is a, a just a ghastly year yeah uh and a lot of good pictures have like say Spielberg's west Side story or whatever have delayed their opening, so you you've got uh pictures that for one reason or another found it advantageous to not delay their opening. And, um, I don't know that it's a particularly strong crop. Hmm.
4: I, uh, getting back to, you know, what you were doing. Um, so it looks like in the seventies, you were spending a lot of time doing feature films. Now, were you also kind of directing theater as well? Still? Did you, did you stay in that, in
1: that pool? I did. I did, uh, I did uh, a Tennessee Williams uh, play called Two-Character Play in Los Angeles mm. during, during the 70s, yeah. Um, I was happy to be making films, so I wasn't anxious to do theater, but I, I, I was very close to Tennessee, and we worked together quite a bit, and uh, I wanted to show him how good his play was.
4: That's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big Williams fan. I, I did a, a, I remember doing a thesis on him in college. uh, And so I read like, so I've read all the Tennessee Williams plays, which if you binge that, that's, that's a pretty rough road, (laughs) 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 but it's really good stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's one course in college that we just read everything and that was, that was rough, but it was, it was really interesting. Um, so that's cool. And then like, so it looks like in the eighties, you made the switch to TV. Um, I'm a big twilight zone fan. So I have to ask you about doing the twilight zone. You did a few of those episodes.
1: Well, they were great fun. Um, it was a very good, it was a very well-run show. Mm -hmm. The executive producer, Phil DeGare was very charming and competent and hired good people so that there were, The producers of the individual shows were good. The, um, some of the best ADs I've ever worked with, an excellent DP, uh, and they were not, it was not an interfering operation. I mean, they didn't, um, sometimes the executive producer on a, on a show, uh, it gets in your face more than Phil DeGare did. And he, it was, it was a happy, very happy. They were happy sets. That's good. Uh, except uh, for I think Billy Friedkin did a show that he butted heads with Phil DeGare, but everybody else got along.
4: <laughs> it's too bad. It didn't last very long. It seems like every, you know, every so often they try to try to come up with a new uh, take on uh twilight zone, bring it back, but it doesn't usually last very long.
1: Now, were you doing um, adaptations where you you have uh, three shows in an hour? What's it? There's a word for that.
3: Like an anthology or. It's
1: like an. I I don't think it's an effective form. Yeah. Why was it originally? I don't know. Because uh, the executive producer there was a kind of dark genius. And he really had a sense of of evil or something. He. He he wasn't fooling around mm-hmm. and was Phil Deguerre fooling around. Maybe, maybe Phil it was too pleasant. He didn't have uh, the darkness that you needed to, uh, to haunt kind of, mm. I think At- the original series, the, the the choices of material were stronger.
4: Were you ad- adapting? um stories from the original or just doing new ones
1: no they were new ones they were commissioned they okay. had a kind of writer's room of of guys and they you know option material and uh some of the guys wrote it themselves and um mainly they were i think buying stories and adapting them
4: mm. yeah
3: my wife would be amiss if I didn't mention, because we just got done uh, streaming and watching Hill Street Blues. And, you know, when I told her that you had directed, which episodes you had been directing, and she says, you know, those were just amazing stories, which you did.
1: Well, Hill Street was was, was great fun because the casts were good. The material was unusual. Uh, it was, a, once again, a very well-run operation uh they didn't interfere either actually very little they wanted you to do it in a in, in they had a, a a shooting style uh kind of uh fake documentary shooting style and they wanted you to adhere to that but i i was delighted to learn a new way of shooting and they showed you you know six of their shows before they let you do one and and explained to you the parameters and uh i was interested to acquire that skill
3: It was pretty amazing and just you know the drama because it was like that show was like nothing else on tv at the time it was very groundbreaking and you know knowing that you were involved with that is pretty awesome how many episodes completely did you do
1: i did two only okay Steve Botchko really was the genius behind Hill Street. I mean, uh, and the guys that worked with him and for him. Uh, these series depend very much on the on the ability and personality of the executive producer. Uh, you know, I teach directing at. Second City and also at uh, Columbia College in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I try to explain to my students what a difference there is to be a director of a feature film and a director of episodic television. Um, you have to set your, your dial a whole different way. I mean, feature film, you, unless you're in a uniquely confining studio situation where they're on your back all the time you 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 have a great deal of power you have somewhat unlimited directorial uh, dictatorial power uh in episodic television you're working for someone you're working for other people you're coming in the actors know the characters better than you do uh the writers are running it you're working for them so uh, you're not the boss. You have to, uh, you want to, I mean, on Hill Street, you want to uh, change a line. You have to get the executive producer, the, the AD gets them on the phone for you and you explain why you want to change it and he either says you can or you can't, that that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like, And if there's an incident of some kind, they appear on the set and, you know, it's uh, it's a whole different function directing uh, episodic television and it's not it's not unpleasant uh, but it's uh, it's just different
3: oh
4: sure yeah, like you're... A, you're just like a hired gun really
1: right yeah yeah
3: <laughs> exactly because it's not anything long term it's more you're coming in and you're here's one week and then you did you know a couple weeks later you do a second episode or so. right yeah So, that totally makes sense and everything. So, I see that you've done, you know, over the last 15 years, mostly stage. Also, you know, a lot of stage.
1: Well, no, I've done some stage. I did two plays in the last 15 years. But I've done uh, four or five uh, features uh, kind of based around where I live. Um, I uh, I did Prancer and we shot it on our farm in Indiana with Sam Elliott, Cloris Leachman, Abe Pagoda, Little Girl and a Reindeer. Mm-hmm. And that was such a pleasant experience that I've I've wanted to do more things here. So we did uh, a, a picture called A Piece of Eden about a fruit farm, which I grew up on. And then we did suspended animation, which we shot half of it in Canada and half of it on our farm. It was about... Kind of like deliverance on snowmobiles. <laughs> okay. And uh, still banjo uh, music. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a picture called The Looking Glass and now uh, a piece of Eden. So, so
4: what are you, um, uh, so, what do you look for? Do you just look for? Oh, can we? You know, is it the can location we shoot it
1: where I live? right?
4: <laughs> exactly. Is it easy? Um, <laughs> or now, are these stories that you're going out and grabbing, or are they original stories that you're?
1: They're original stories uh, written by my wife and myself. Nice. And nice. the uh, the girls of summer was is written by the actress that played the lead in it, uh, Tori Tidmus.
4: Oh wow! So is it, it sounds like it's really personal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Using, using personal, you know.
4: Uh huh. Uh huh. And, uh, and now that was filmed, was that filmed, um, like completely before, you know, the lockdown, the pandemic and everything?
1: Yes, sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was filmed in, uh, the summer of, uh, 18. And then we cut it for, we finished it early summer of 19. So.
4: Gotcha. Yep. And I do see that it, yeah, it is available to watch streaming on Amazon or IMDB and, and that kind of thing. So uh, people should be able to check it out. Um, is this, it, are you
1: continuing? Is there more projects that
4: you've got uh, lined up?
1: Well, I've used my time during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a two screen place. I, I, I want to get on. One is about uh, called a love story, which is about, uh, a New York city detective who falls in love with a serial killer. And, uh, I have another one called South by Southeast that is, um, about bank robbers, idealistic bank robbers with families
5: Hmm.
1: and that kind of strange downward spiral in their lives. And they're both, I am I'm very happy. I I've written both of them myself. I'm very happy with them. I'm trying now to, just to start to attack, attach some name actors uh, uh, so that I can get them financed. I have a, a, another project that I, I may do uh, called On the Hook, which is written by my old friend, John Lar, who was for 25 years, the drama critic for The New Yorker, Bert Lahr's son. And it's about three guys um, fishing for Northerns in Canada. And uh, we've got Ethan Hawke wanting to do it, so that uh, it may attract some finance. Absolutely, yeah. Name actors, and yeah. Three and guys these are,
4: are. These are all projects you're 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 wanting to direct yourself, helm, right? Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: That's awesome. Awesome. And you're going to film it all on your property, right? I
1: don't have a lake, but from that one, we have to go to the Boundary Waters of Minnesota or someplace around Ottawa, or I don't know. We need a a lake and a bear. Yeah. That's awesome.
3: it's,
4: It's great that, especially now, that we can, you know, live in a time where you can just make movies, you know, sort of locally. You don't have to you know, they're not, it's not just Hollywood movies now.
1: Yeah. I mean, where I live is is a very wonderful place to make a movie because it has a lot of different looks and a lot of local talent. But also because it's not spoiled. Mm-hmm. And uh, people want to be part of it. You know, you try to get a house for a location in Los Angeles. They want $10,000 a day. Here they say, Oh, great. You can, you want to use my house. Wonderful. And I'll go stay at the motel. So I won't bother you. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a whole different world and it's, it's a nice one.
4: Yeah. And, and, and I would think that, you know, well, I would also think that there, you know, the downside is that I would imagine that, you know, with Hollywood making churning out these like huge blockbuster, you know, action movies all the time, I, I think there's been some concern that smaller movies are not getting uh, their the theater.
1: Team. They don't stick in the theater long enough to build an audience. Right. Right. No, it's, it's, it's not good what's happened in the business on that score, but the streamers are filling a, a, a much needed gap. And uh, I, I think, you know, uh Big, you know, Sopranos series uh, on television is very relatively high quality. Mm-hmm. The Americans I liked a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's still good places to work, good work to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not interested in science fiction, I'm not interested in superheroes, I'm not. <laughs> you know? So that's. It's it, the from my point of view the business has taken a a bad right turn. Gotcha.
4: I think I think with the one of the I guess pluses maybe uh, bright sides to come out of this whole pandemic though it does seem like a lot of smaller movies are getting more attention because more people are at home looking for something yeah. new to watch. Yeah. So, so, and yeah, we definitely want to do everything here we can to Cause yeah, even though we love the, the superhero stuff too here, um, you know, uh, there's great alternate programming out there. It's not all about that. So we want to do whatever we can to help promote uh, these uh, the smaller films as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it helped. It helped. I mean, a lot of people watched uh, the girls of summer on Amazon prime nice. that, because they couldn't go out to the movies, you know? So, mm-hmm. And it came. It came at the right time. You know, we we were going to open it theatrically, but then the <laughs> there was no theaters to open it.
3: Right. Have you found like with the you know coming up of streaming and such, a lot of your older films getting a lot more recognition and such?
1: Uh, I'm not aware of it. Mm. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: Are 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 most of you, is most of your work, uh, you know, pretty available that you know? Oh, of? sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
4: So, because I know some people have, you know, some artists have gotten frustrated because some of the stuff they've worked on is not easily available still.
1: So, well, the one sorrow on that score is uh, the picture uh, I made with Nick Nolte called Weeds uh, about a prison drama group. Um, And I remember that one. Yeah. And, uh, it was, uh, Dino, Dan Laurentis's uh, DEG produced it. And went they went belly up in the process of releasing it and somehow like, they lost the negative. Wow. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's been, you know, uh, VHS tapes and a laser disc, but there's never been a DVD or a Blu-ray. So I'm trying now to get it released on a Blu-ray, but the rights, who actually owns the rights? It's been transferred from one of his creditors to another, to another bank, to a th- seventh bank. So I've paid a high-powered law firm to try to locate who has the rights. to, And they've looked into it extensively and declared that it's impossible to tell. <sighs> A mess so i'm trying to find some firm who just uh will put out a blu-ray uh and wait for someone to come out of the woodwork and then pay them off if they do but i i, I don't think they will i think it, it really is so confusing that that uh it's hard for anyone to claim the rights mm-hmm. what I about want you people to see it you know
4: oh sure sure yeah um. What about your your original short uh, that you did? Uh, was that sticky my fingers? Is that right? Yeah. Is that is that available to watch still?
1: Oh, uh, maybe it it was, but I don't know that it is right now. No, I I I I think I I looked for a there was a YouTube of it up, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I googled to see if it was because i wanted to show a little bit bit of it to one of my classes Mm -hmm. and i don't think it was Hmm.
4: i was gonna say almost everything's on youtube now so and it seems like it would be the perfect like short films would be the perfect thing to put on yeah sure yeah absolutely especially ones that are nominated for academy awards i think those should not be forgotten
1: no no i I agree
4: Well, very cool. Well, um, we appreciate uh, you coming on, and, and yes, uh, I definitely want to, uh, we're going to have a link in our show notes to uh, the Girls of Summer so people can check it out. Um, is there any place that people should go to uh, keep up with what you're doing?
1: Well, I have a Fe- a Facebook page called Film Acres, F-I-L-M-A-C-R-E-S, that has a lot of people that follow that, and that's mm-hmm. really what we we try to release things through that.
4: Okay. So we'll have a link to that on our show notes as well so people can check out your work. So spell it right. Uh, I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. Um uh, yep, I just typed it in. I got it. I got it. Okay. So uh, so yeah, we will send people that way and uh, thank you well, so much wonderful. for coming.
1: Enjoy chatting. Yes, it's been
4: great having you with us.
3: John, thank you so, so much. We do really you. appreciate it. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment.
6: And if I had a boat, I'd go out on the ocean. And if I had a pony, I'd ride him on my boat. And we could all together I'd go out on the ocean
7: Hi there, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. It is a big week for geek fans. That's right, it is finally time for the Snyder Cut of Justice League. A movie that I honestly thought I would never actually be talking about. But one of the many things that the year 2020 gave us was the announcement that yes, there actually is going to be a recut of Justice League by Zack Snyder. I'm actually super excited about this movie. I know not everybody is a fan of Zack Snyder's take on the DC Cinematic Universe, but I'm really excited that he gets a chance to actually give us his version of the film. I just checked Rotten Tomatoes. The movie has a 75% approval rating, which is is not necessarily like glowing like 95% like this movie is a masterpiece but when you consider the really troubled history of this movie I think it's pretty positive. You know after the movie comes out we'll be able to talk about is it worth the four hour run time? Was it worth all the money that Warner Brothers pumped back into it? I think it's just going to be really curious to see. And it's going to give us plenty of fodder for geek discussion. This week it was also interesting to see some of the Oscar nominations come out. And again, it's such a weird year. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't. Not necessarily postpone, but maybe like do a double batch next year. Because I feel like it's so hard to score Like what movies are worthy of the Oscars because not everybody has had equal access to movies. Some movies have had to delay their release dates because they're waiting for the theater. So I kind of feel like maybe it would have been better to just forego the Oscars this year. But then again, you don't want to just say films that did come out say sorry you're out of luck but it was really curious seeing the list of nominated films i have to admit i haven't seen a whole lot and there wasn't much to see in some of the more uh geek themed categories where uh blockbusters often do well because again a lot of those have been held over so again just 2020 the effects of that weird year continue to be felt but I'm definitely feeling more positive here about 2021 and I'm excited that we get Justice League new superhero movies to talk about. We have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier MCU show coming up on Disney Plus. So it's definitely starting to feel like brighter days are ahead and it's exciting to actually have some new fresh content to chat about. And that's it for this week. Be sure to also check out my blog over on the ESO Podcast website. I'm going to be digging a little bit deeper this week into WandaVision.
6: I'm your Englishman. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But First, Let's Talk Nerdy. <laughs> Clink. Oh, how was that? That's going to be our promo. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Cut it, Kevin. Send it. Bam.
2: But First, Let's Talk Nerdy. It's two nerd girls talking about nerdy things over a couple of drinks. What could go wrong? Part of the ESO Network.
0: Heavenly of night are falling. It's
1: time. Wonder and vision. Aren't oh, we a fine paths
0: This is our home now. I want us to fit in.
1: This is going to be a gas.
0: Where did you two move from? How long have you been married? And why don't you have children yet? Our story.
1: I think
5: what
3: my wife means to say is that we moved from... Moved from where? Married when? Damn it, why?
0: Oh, Arthur, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Deep in the dark, your kiss Is this really happening? Like days <laughs> of old, of love that fills
3: me with the color. Am I dead? No. Why would you think
7: that? Because you are.
1: Each day I pray for evening just to
0: be. We are an unusual couple, you know? Oh, I don't think that was ever in question. Unless
3: Hey everyone, welcome back. Now let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at Inked Marketing. Inked Marketing's mission is to place your comic book-based business in the correct position in the marketplace for increased visibility and growth. They provide a market solution for comic book creators, artists, writers, shop podcasts, and cosplayers. Come see what they can do for your Kickstarter or comic book shop. Visit www.inkedmarketing.com. And ask for a solutions guide. That's www.inkmarketing. All right, guys. I know you guys have been waiting for this one. I think it's time. WandaVision. Dun, dun,
4: dun. Well, the show has given us a lot to think about. So uh, so now it's time to discuss uh, all of WandaVision. Again, like we said at the top of the hour, uh, we were going to spoil it. So we're going to go in depth as much as we can over the next uh little bit here and we've got some folks here to help us do that uh we've got an old-time friend john mccarthy is back with us john welcome back to the station
5: hi guys so good to be back
3: yeah so i, um, I know... emphasize on old you know remember yeah that. exactly
4: yeah <laughs> uh, uh, you know <laughs> he had uh, he had to stab a couple of like, people in the back to get here, but, you know, he's ruthless. Uh, but he's I have here. an alibi.
5: I have an alibi for all that.
4: <laughs>
3: and, awesome. if you, and if you don't agree about that, he'll cut you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, and we also have someone new to our station, too. We have uh, Kevin Cafferty here. Kevin, welcome to Earth Station One.
2: It's great to be here, guys. I'm very excited to discuss WandaVision.
4: Yes, and we are excited to have you as well, Um, Kevin, and we want to thank you on the outset because you are one of the ESO Network patrons. Uh, Not to say that that had any sway in getting you on the show, but it probably did. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't
3: hurt, let's just say that.
4: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So let's get started. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. Uh, Going into WandaVision, what, briefly, was your expectation overall, and then, like, your overall, like, were you satisfied?
2: It's hard to say with expectation because the trailers were pretty trippy, and I'm a fan of all these Marvel movies, and I was a fan of the Avengers comics when I was a kid up through now. I started reading when Vision and Scarlet Witch were already married when they were doing that 12-issue Steve Englehart maxi-series. So I was a fan of the characters, and I like old sitcoms, and I was kind of ready to just go along with the ride. And I'll tell you, I really dug this show. I thought, A, it was something kind of weird and experimental for Marvel, who a knock against them can be that sometimes their films can seem a little cookie cutter. So it was nice seeing them try something different, especially for their first foray into like Disney plus original series. And B, I thought the story was like really effective and well done. I wasn't one of these people who was like obsessed with kind of figuring out what was going on as it was happening. I was you know, willing to just sit back and enjoy the, the sitcom homages Near the top, but you know, as they brought in the Cat Dennings character and the Spectrum character and you know, Agent Jimmy Wu, I, I was digging that part of it too. I I liked the whole thing for the most part.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John, what about you?
2: Um, I, I certainly loved
5: it. Uh, lifelong Avengers fan, uh, and it's the romance between Wanda and the Vision has always been a mainstay, you know. My reading all through as as you know my childhood years, but the um, I, I didn't have any real expectations going in. I mean, Marvel uh, in the MCU had altered enough that you knew they weren't going to stick extremely to uh, to the books. So I, I kind of just went in with an open mind. Uh, I love old sitcoms. Uh, one thing that really gripped me. Uh, really made me smile throughout the whole thing was how um, Ms. Olson shifted her sitcom character f- literally from era to era. I mean, she really morphed from a 50s to a 60s to a 70s uh, sitcom female lead. It was amazing. She's very chameleon like in that. And, uh, and Paul Beckney just oozes humanity. I mean, the two I, I, whoever is doing the casting for Marvel is not being paid enough. I don't think they've missed on too many. You know, um, I, en- I enjoy the run. I just relaxed and just tried to enjoy it. I didn't try to figure out too much. Uh, just wanted to see how it unfolded all on its own.
4: Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Mike.
3: Oh, I pretty much what everybody has been saying is completely right. This we didn't know what we were going to get. It was like nothing we had ever seen before from Marvel because. You know that we've had Marvel TV shows before, but for this is their first, like we've been saying this is their first foray into Disney Plus, and this was a new experiment. You saw the whole sitcom parodies, and but you also saw other things happening in the trailers, like what is going. You had no idea what this was all about. You were speculating the whole time, all the way up to the final episode, you were speculating, what the hell is going on with this show? And it was wonderful. That was what was wonderful. You know, Vision and Scarlet Witch were amazing. Well, she didn't become Scarlet Witch till the end, but, you know, and I've been reading The Avengers since probably um I think the first stuff I officially picked up was the Cree Scroll War. And it was pretty you know, and pretty much read it straight through until Wanda killed the Avengers, but that's later. And it's it's just it's just amazing. Wait, which time? Well, good point. (laughs) Good point. But yeah, and it was a lot of fun and I love how they tied in so much of the MCU into the history and into this whole story, they tied, brought in Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man. They brought in, you know, Kat Denning's character from the Thor movies. And you had a lot. We had Monica who, you know, she was in Captain Marvel. Well, not the actress, but the character was from Captain Marvel. And it was just awesome. And God, there's so much to talk about.
4: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I uh well, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much the same. Um, it's interesting that this was not supposed to be uh Marvel's first foray in a Disney Plus. I mean, the the first show was supposed to air, that was supposed to air was Falcon and Winter Soldier, but due to pandemic reasons, et cetera, et cetera, uh this one came out first, which I think actually benefits Marvel because it kind of you know puts a um puts it out there that yes this is going to be a different experience for people um it's not just uh we're not just doing you know movies here we're we're going to explore some different different things uh, some different areas of the MCU which i thought was interesting and um you know my my experience with the Avengers is, is is spotty in the comics. So I was aware of Vision and Scarlet Witch, but not in any great detail. Uh, the movies, uh, you know, they they have a supporting but pretty important role in, in most of the movies. And I thought that they were portrayed very well. And so I didn't have any question about the talent involved uh, going into this as yeah. far as um, – the cast and the characters and everything that was going into WandaVision. I thought, okay, uh, the only thing that kind of made me hesitant was I thought it was, it might be a little bit too much, like pull a little bit too much from the recent vision series by, uh, Jeff King and, or Tom King rather. And I, and I didn't quite care for that series. So I was kind of worried that they were going to pull a lot from that, which they didn't really. So that was, uh, ultimately they didn't really. So, um, I like the series. I think it was really produced very well. I loved a lot of it, especially the performances. Uh, Yeah, the casting was great all around. Um, uh, I will say that there was a little bit of um, things that I don't think landed very well towards the end. Um, and I know that that's, some of that stuff has gotten some backlash and, and the backlash has gotten backlash. And so like, you know, it's kind of been crazy, um, you know, but, uh, uh, so that would, you know, there's a couple things that, that but I'm not like an, you know, what is it? Angry fanboy or whatever. Um, but I do think there was a couple of red herrings that they put out there that just didn't land very well. Um, But I don't want to talk about the negative stuff. Let's talk about the positive stuff, starting with – let's start with the characters. Um, You know, we talked about Vision and Wanda. Does anybody want to say anything more about their journey in this?
3: Well, it was an unexpected journey, truthfully, because we had seen Vision die, you know, at the end of Infinity War. And you were like, how is he back? You know, what is going on? And, you know, we we had no idea when it first started. Actually, for the first three episodes, you had no clue really where they were going with it. You just thought they were parroting um, different sitcoms throughout the decades. And you didn't know what the story was turning into and that was just interesting and it was awesome to see these characters cuz you got you had you know basically four appearances of scarlet witch before this you had three appearances of vision before this and so you you wanted to know more about these characters and it was just interesting you know for those who knew the comics you knew about who they were and such but for folks who didn't these are all brand new you know who watched the movies and you have more people who watch just watch the movies than ever you know type thing so this is all fresh and so this had a lot of questions that slowly came into shape and you know there are there were a couple parts that were letdowns but overall i thought they hit it right out of the ballpark
2: i like how as the series went on you could tell that it was like this overarching metaphor of Wanda dealing with grief. And I, I liked giving that character that depth because in the I think was it four or five movies she was in before that, the Captain America one and the three Avengers movies, she was in the background, but you didn't know that much about her. And I liked you know, I it I liked how they were able to do that without making it into kind of a nonstop Festival of like, let's give this character a bunch of pain to deal with. I I thought they handled it in kind of a clever way that wasn't punishing to watch. And, you know, I liked how she emerged at the end outsmarting Agnes, who we haven't even mentioned yet and who I thought was fantastic. And, you know, kind of reclaimed her power. I didn't like how they kind of hand-waved away the trauma she inflicted on the townspeople Mm -hmm. of Westview where, you know, she didn't even apologize to them. I I think that was a miss, especially for Marvel who are usually really good about collateral damage. Yeah. Showing collateral damage and, Oh, we have to save these people. Um, But, you know, I guess we'll see how the Wanda character goes forward into the subsequent Marvel films. I know she's slated to appear in the next Dr. Strange movie, for instance.
3: Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think she's going to be a major player in that movie. There was a lot, you know, there was a lot of rumors that he was going to be showing up in the series. And, you know, I almost was expecting it because with all the magic being thrown out, you would almost think the Sorcerer Supreme would have been, you know, alerted to this.
5: Well, the flat out said, or at least you know, Agatha flat out said that more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme so, I was, you know, that's probably going to carry some weight when she does appear in the next Doctor Strange movie. I mean, how is he going to deal with someone that's more powerful than he is when I mean, he's supposed to be the top watchdog on the magical block? You know?
2: He took out Dormammu. He'll figure something sure, Yeah.
5: I mean, assuming that he's more skilled than she is, she's got more of power. But at the very end of the show, there she is in two different places, having a cup of tea and memorizing the dark home at the same time. I mean, it was that it hints at a, quite a bit of power.
4: Yeah, that, I took it. That was sort of her astro projection like we've seen oh, in screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. So,
2: um, important to multitask.
4: Yeah, it's yeah, yeah.
3: God, you know, that would be so easy with, with so many things.
2: <laughs> and, uh, I was thinking about what um, she said
5: too about, about what Kevin said about her not even apologizing. I felt the same thing except that the look on her face was she was, part of it was still playing catch-up. She still hadn't, the full realization of all this was catching up to there at the end. I just wish they'd taken a moment at the, at the end where she could have said, I'm sorry, or I didn't mean it. Or, you know, where, or right now she's being blamed by everybody except maybe one person um, to, for, for kidnapping an entire town and making them bend to her will. Uh, none of them got to see her grief and she never apologized. So that's probably going to paint her as a huge criminal you know, in the next Dr. Strange movie.
4: Oh, yeah, exactly. She, she has, yeah, you're right. I mean, she does no repercussions. Um, and, uh, and, and yet it's interesting because she's, you know, we're with her all the way. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I think it's a credit to the writers as well as Elizabeth Olsen that, I mean, she is the, the MVP of this series. Um, uh. and, john you pointed out like the fact that she elizabeth olsen can go from you know i love the the format that they decided to use as you know the stages of grief right which is like the sitcoms of each yeah. decade like you know sitcom. Yeah. like who would have thought of that it's brilliant and crazy and yeah damn it it works like these were not um i i have to i have to correct you just a little bit mike because I don't think these were not parodies of sitcoms. These were were faithful um, tributes. They're homages. These these were like these didn't these felt real. Like they could have been shot back then. They did everything they can to to stay true to each decade, which I thought the production of this is just from everybody from the showrunner down to the 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 key grip. You Know not to make fun of keep beers, but um, <laughs> that, I mean, they, they it's I, I always notch. worry
3: about best boys, yeah. but you know, I don't <laughs> want to know what they it's,
4: it's top notch on on this thing, and uh, like the music was on point, mm. the sets, the everything, the special effects was it was just um, phenomenal. Um, and you're right, too, and Mike, that it,
5: they they leveraged each era, each decade in in sitcoms, like from masking everything in, in homogeneity, homogeneity in, in the 50s all the way up to, you know, lay it out, you know, in the 80s and 90s. I mean, they really they leveraged every bit of the television medium
2: to tell this story. It was wonderful. Oh, yeah. And what I loved was that they really went out of their way to get the details right, but they also would occasionally do something that felt slightly off or askew that would, you know, tell the audience, you know, we – we know that, you know, there's more going on Mm -hmm. here. And I felt it felt genuinely creepy and kind of a David Lynch sort of way. I thought it was like that scene where in the first episode where vision's boss played by the great Fred Millamet is choking like that. I thought that was really effective and nightmarish. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's
4: like Dick Van Dyke meets twilight zone.
3: Oh, there was so many twilight zone references in this series too. And it was just, it was crazy. If you think about it, but, and even, you know, the subtle, you know, om- homages to even Bewitched with the two Darrens you had the recasting of Pietro.
5: Yeah.
3: And, mm, yeah. and and it was just like, and it was such a nod at the hat that a lot of people missed that. And it was just like, oh, they rec- they brought in the other guy. And how many people thought, oh, this is the door to bring in the X-Men. This is going to be, you know. <laughs> don't,
4: don't blame them. No,
3: they did that purposely. <laughs> because, because they I was did gonna that say, purposely. This was
4: this was a purposeful thing that they did on their part. I mean, it wasn't like, oh well, people are overreacting, thinking that we're going to bring the X Men into this. No, no, you hired a guy. One of the first guys that you hired that you cast in this was set to play the same character that he plays in the Marvel in the in the X Men movies that 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 Fox had that Disney now has, um, and you know. That So all those people who were kind of expecting that, um, I don't blame them. And I do think, you know, that that landed, that red herring landed yeah. with a absolute thud.
5: It's funny though, a friend How of mine said, he thinks it's the, this is the first time that the MCU writers actively trolled the audience with Easter eggs designed solely as red herrings.
4: Yeah, they, they did that, I think, and I... And I tracked it. They did that with five things in this series. Now, one thing I could be like, eh, that's, you know, that's fun. But, you know, they did it with uh, Ralph Boner. (laughs) Uh, They they did it with Dottie. Uh, They did it with, and then on a much smaller scale, uh, I think they did it with the implication that um, there was a bigger power at play uh, the constant mentions in every episode of the devil, mm-hmm. you know, the devil's in the details. That's not all where, that's not the only place he is. Kep, uh, you know, things like that. expecting Mephisto um,
5: to show up, didn't we?
4: Exactly. Oh,
3: you were, they were saying, thinking, oh, Mephisto's going to show up up until the final episode you thought sure, he was going to sure show up. because
4: because the, the clues are there. Like, they let, they put those clues in there for us to think that way. Um... And uh, you know, Jimmy Woo, uh he the only reason he's there is because he's trying to access uh some protected witness, uh, which we never find out about. Um, and uh, you know, the Monica's scientific friend that she contacts, we never find out about that either. Right. Now those are very small. But you know, they're all they're all geared to open up our thoughts to like, ooh, what, this what are they gonna who yeah. who are they talking about, right? And I think people do get carried away um a little bit you know like oh this is fantastic four he's talking about she's talking about Reed Richards and all that but but let's let's be clear it's not like it's not sometimes you know a drone is just a drone <laughs> you know uh, this goes back to what but,
5: didn't Hitchcock say? <laughs> I think it was Hitchcock said if there's a smoking gun or if there's a gun on the mantle you show it in the in the first scene you expect that gun to be used yeah, so, it's
4: actually Chekhov. This yeah, yes. check Yeah, thing. But you've actually filmed not that. Anton Chekhov. Not Anton Chekhov, no. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I Captain. So, so a lot of people who were disappointed and upset with those particular threads. Now, none of that was the main purpose of the show. Mm-mm. Obviously, the main purpose of the show is telling Wanda's story. Uh, My
2: favorite bit of misdirection was Paul Bettany saying in an interview... Oh, yes. ...that he finally got to work with a great actor he's always wanted to work with. And it was not being <laughs> Paul <Beck>. yeah
4: <laughs> Exactly. That was funny. That was really funny. Um, there was a couple of other things that, yeah, the cast and Kevin Feige had said that kind of led people to different roads as well. Um, but yeah, you're right. It did feel like in some ways the show was actively trolling people and that I I have to take a little bit of issue with because I just don't think that's necessary. You know, I mean, I'm all for like fun Easter eggs, and and stuff like that, but when you're deliberately, uh, you know, in a misdirect here and there, like I'm, I'm an Agatha Christie fan, I get it, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you know, you point to the person who's not really the murderer, that kind of thing. Um, but sometimes it just didn't land, and I and I thought that uh, this the the particular the the Evan Peters thing, as well as uh, Dottie, that those didn't land to me. I thought those weren't necessary uh, to do that.
2: But and it's interesting how this is something that could only go out on a weekly episodic basis in terms of things like the Evan Peters thing being discussed for a full mm-hmm. week. If this had been dropped Netflix style all in one chunk, no one would be discussing no. those things. No.
4: It's true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Also, we had, no, sorry. We had we had weeks and weeks and weeks to build up to it, right? Instead of just like, you know, finding out three hours later.
5: But that also <laughs> harkens back to old style old time TV. Where you had to wait yes. a week in between each episode,
2: right? Yeah and honestly like with the pandemic it's it's nice it was nice to have something of a distraction.
3: <laughs> it was I, nice to actually have something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, we've talked about it before. I actually prefer and maybe it's cuz I'm old, but I prefer week to week.
5: I do too. Uh, the instead of must just enjoy the same way.
4: Um now I will binge if it's all available. So Netflix oh. puts the show out I I can I don't have that much self-discipline. So I will keep watching. But right. if you ask me what like you know for like Jessica Jones if you would ask me what happened in every particular episode? I, I it would be kind of loose to me because it's just one big long movie to me. Right. But whereas this and the Mandalorian and shows like this, um, where they're week to week, I I actually you know know which episode is which and what happens in what episode. So mm-hmm. and it gives you time. The downside is, as Kevin pointed out, it gives you time to think about it and it makes things a little bit bigger than maybe they would have been otherwise. But um, let's talk about Agatha. Oh, it was Agatha all <laughs> along. You have to remember that. Let's talk about Agnes and Agatha because, look, if Elizabeth Olsen is the MVP, Katherine Hahn is, like, right there as being probably one of the best things to come out of the MCU, like, in a, in a while.
3: I want to see more of her. Yeah. I want to see where they go with her character because her character in the comics it plays a huge role. Especially in the training of the Scarlet Witch.
5: That's why I was actually and a little disappointed. I mean, Agatha was—it was Franklin Richards, you know, nanny.
3: Yes. Yeah. But
5: to make her a bad guy, so you know, flipped over, you know, forty years of comic was, reading for me.
3: No, she was a bad guy at first. She was when she first appeared.
5: She was maybe they uh, intimated, but then when she they got to know her, they actually made her her Franklin's governess.
3: Hmm. Yes, they did, but. You know, and it could still happen. Hey, man, she didn't you kill know. a
5: dog. That's you, true. You kill a dog in America, there's no going back. Look, Anakin can wipe out an entire room full of kids, and he's redeemed at the end. You kill one dog, and John Wick comes looking for your ass.
3: Mm. Oh, that would have been funny. Have you seen my puppy? <laughs>
2: Also, given what they revealed about how the Hex was created and everything, I'm not sure it was Agatha all along. I feel like even even that song, which I yeah. loved, was a yeah. bit of a misdirect.
3: Mm-hmm. Right,
2: well, it was, because it yeah,
3: was Wanda it was, all along.
4: It was, yeah, it was Wanda. Well, for the most part. Now, um, you know, there were things that Wanda couldn't control. She couldn't control any of the animals. And there was an animal in every episode. Which she didn't have control over. She didn't have control over the kids. She didn't have control over uh, uh, Eva, um, uh, Pietro. Pietro, right? So, so those things I think are are they must have been Agatha because there's no other reason. There's no other person there that could have done it.
3: I th- I don't think the kids were created by Agatha though. Yeah. All. No, no, no. That was all. no yeah. That's true. yeah, No, that was all Wanda who think created the kids. I mean,
5: maybe I mean, Well, but she created Vision from whole club Well, not quite. She reinvigorated him, but she took the body. She took the parts from that lab, didn't she?
4: No,
3: you remember no. it was revealed that she didn't take them. That's, no, uh, that's where they got White Vision. Alternate it's Vision, it's was, right. yeah, yeah. White Vision was the original Vision, mm-hmm. and that's why at the end of the. Last episode, when they were talk, they were talking about it. They were talking about the boat that you know you replace all the parts right. and to rebuild it, but it still is it the same thing? And he was, and he said that's why he said your memories are still in you. That they just you've just been programmed to block them out, and that's when the, Wanda's vision put you know his hand into the robot. Into the White Vision's head and repro- basically released it, woke him up, his, woke him up. Yeah. and that's why he took off because he was like, "Whoa, I got you know all the, I got to process this." And he went, which means now right there out. is
5: another fully functional Vision wandering around the MCU somewhere.
3: Yes, there is. Yeah. But and was, it's was, it is the original Vision.
5: What I was getting at was it was confusing. If she created Vision from whole cloth, how was she able to control him? Whereas she could create the children, and she wasn't.
3: She wasn't able to control the the vision. Well, she had him. She had him. No, yeah. he was able to. He he had his he went, own he agenda. Went outside,
4: he went outside the bubble. He did, but I it
5: took him a while to went, wake up. Yeah. It was almost like
3: you know he, he was. was well, he had no he had no memory of anything before when he woke up.
5: I guess that's and true.
3: he thought that that was the thing, but he realized very quickly that there was something on, not yeah. right going on here. You know.
2: So she was controlling people who already existed, correct? But the cre the you know the people she created were not in her control, which is interesting. Yeah. It was, yeah. And,
3: she, and it w- it threw me for a loop, you know, like when Agatha or Agnes was like in that one scene when you know she was with the babies and she was like, "Oh, I can redo the scene if you need me to." Yeah. It was. It was just like that. That didn't make sense. It was almost like. It, that's where you started you started thinking wait a minute it, wanda's in control of this whole thing and you you know but agnes saying that like oh like it was a scripted play or something and but it obviously it wasn't so it was just it was that that one and they didn't even explain that
4: now that happened a couple times where characters were asking her like um is this what i'm supposed to do <laughs> like, yeah. So, but I mean, I think it's pretty clear, at least the way it finishes is that it was, I mean, Wanda was responsible for 95% of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was her, you know, this is her way of dealing with grief. Um, it is a um, a great, you know, look at that. Um, and I thought it was pretty respectful. But in like most comic book things, doesn't mean much at the end because you know what? She's sad that Vision's gone, but he's not because he's there still. Uh, there's another. There's a Vision wandering around, and again, she's sad that she loses her kids. But guess what? We see in the the, the, the end that the kids are still around. So so even though you know this is a good look at, um, at at grief and what you go through, what one goes through through grief. Ultimately, it kind of I felt like the end message is like, yeah, but in the comic book world, we don't really have to worry about it too much because guess what? Nobody really dies.
3: Well, the thing is she had so much death in her life that it was just, you know, she never had, she, her life was moving so quickly. She never had to pro had time really to process her parents' death, Pietro's mm-hmm. death, then the death of the vision and her being, you know, turned to dust for five years and so and then her coming back and then it made more sense when she when she did go to sword to wanting to bury vision's body that she did not steal the body and that's in she was then bottling it up you could see it and that's when she went to Westwood to see the house that vision had purchased for them and that they he was going to build and with her and that's when it all exploded out of her, and that was the grief and everything and I thought it was a great way, and I'm not trying to be Pollyanna or anything, but it was all about her healing and her dealing with her grief and having to face it and it was just it was so well done and I thought it
5: yeah, you're very that, right. that she, part that's, was very right that's good. the first time in her life she was actually she actually had the time to process any of the grief she had,
3: mm-hmm, exactly. Oh.
4: And I do think, like I said, I think Elizabeth Olsen sold it well. That that scene where you're talking about where she goes into the SWORD uh, headquarters and sees Vision there. Why doesn't she take him? Because she wants to. That's what she's going in there to do. But she doesn't because she doesn't feel in there. Like, ultimately, Mm-mm. she recognizes that's not that's not Vision. That's not the guy I love. So mm-hmm. she leaves and then goes, of course, and creates her own.
3: Well, exactly, and she uses the energy from the stone that 's in her to create the vision because you saw the yellow coming out of her mm-hmm. to create him, and that was that was pretty amazing that scene mm-hmm. and it was just it was just it was neat to see, but it was also one thing that was interesting, and this is where people are starting to come you know come out that she her powers don 't come from the stone. It was enhanced by the stone, but she was able to, you know, block her. She was able to ca- cast a spell when she was a kid to stop that bomb from exploding in their house. Right. And, right. But
2: I think it's
4: implied that she. Well, I mean, granted, they. Well, I guess they can use it now, but I mean, there's still no mutants in the MCU. Like in the comics, Wanda is a mutant. But yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, they made it clear through her. Uh, that second to last episode, which was all flashbacks, which was great um, to learn more about two characters. But um, I think they make it clear that she's not, you know, she is in a line of, she's got witchcraft associated with her, but she's not a mutant in that way.
2: So far. So far. That we know. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I mean, how much has been discussed post snap? You know, it's a.
3: Right. Exactly. And how many people were like thinking, all right weirdness magneto showing up at the end you know it's like father that's you you know
4: but i also got the feeling too that ultimately that uh and this might be to your point john where in the next doctor strange movie or spider-man or whatever she appears in next um that uh you know she could be the big bad of that story because it doesn't look like at the end that she's learned anything really because you know even though she's She's kind of moving on from where she was, what she was doing. Um, you know, she's right back at it, like using the dark old, which I can't imagine is a good thing. Um, to to you know, to go after her, her children, which is like, yeah, that and what is she willing to do for that? Like, you know, rewrite all of us?
3: Well, exactly. And <laughs> it's gonna be very interesting to see because it's probably obviously the kids are calling from another dimension of some kind and that's what the doctor strange movie is all dealing with multi, you know, the multiverse. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be very interesting to see what they do. And the show at the end, it leads into three different movies or three different projects right there that you're, you know, that you're going, you're seeing from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
4: it is. Yeah, it does do that. at At least three.
3: Yeah, because Monica obviously is going into Captain Marvel too. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the scrolls that's they are they're doing Secret Invasion. Yeah. A series. A series. And then they're also doing of course Wanda's going into the um of course going into Doctor Strange, where they've already said that she's on set with Doctor Strange right now. And then the next and then of course, uh Wu is going into um ant-man and wasp so he's going to be popping up in there and it'd be interesting if he was in charge of sword
2: Hmm. i want more darcy (laughs) where's darcy go
3: darcy's going into (laughs) thor of course she is
4: i I know that there was uh you know the pandemic kind of interfered with some of the production of this uh but i and i I fear like in the last couple episodes we didn't i mean darcy was hardly there um, uh, and I kind of missed Kat Dennings, uh, show she shows up at the end to kind of take out, uh, the, um, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the guy, the, the interim the leader. leader of sword there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then that's about it. Like that's like, she's yeah. done her,
3: her whole one line in the final <laughs> episode. You're going to prison.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does really well. Um, so, um, but yeah, and I know that. Look, I mean as good as these shows are going to be on the on Disney Plus, I think Kevin Feige has said that we're not going to do anything on these shows that's going to make it important that you have to watch them before you watch one of the movies. Like because they 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 still feel that the movies are the main crux of the MCU. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I'd like that they're giving room between the end of this and Doctor Strange is not coming out till next year. Mm-hmm. So you have there's time. I think that was one of the downfalls with Agents of Shield is they tried to cram the movies into the whole plot line because the Agents of Shield was on ABC and it was they had full seasons. You know,
4: there's
3: a, there's a whole other podcast. The
4: things, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, yeah.
3: <laughs> but you know, because that whole, that whole series changed when when they you know the whole series changed with Civil War when they you know show not civil war sorry winter soldier Mm -hmm. where they showed that everybody you know half of shield was part of hydra and you know that blew the whole series apart and then they had to try to keep up with what the the different movies coming up and
4: yeah it'll be interesting i don't know i i'm hoping that we get a glimpse when we when uh, falcon and winter soldier starts this week um what what the deal is with shield like what the status of shield is because ages shield leaves it where there is shield in place and it's got a definite director it's not colson um so and it's not nick fury either so it's going to be really interesting to see where you know that goes in the future but that that's that show um Anything more about WandaVision that we need to talk about? Because uh, we've talked about a lot of the cast and the characters and, and some of the other things that have gone on. But what else is there out there? Kevin, what's something out there that uh, another thing about this show that, that resonated with you?
2: I think it's worth noting that this is the first Marvel television project. Since the television division was put with the movie division, because you know we were talking about Agents of Shield and its problems, and the TV division of Marvel was was like under a whole different different set of executives. So I'm hoping this integration continues. You know, I have high hopes for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm hoping that's fun to watch, and you know they're announcing shows like crazy. So (laughs) I'm, I'm hoping they're all enjoyable. Mm-hmm. experience as well um loki looks you know, amazing yeah loki the hawkeye show mm-hmm. yeah. with um Hayley Steinfeld, steinfield who is so great in dickinson and i'm hoping that uh you know this augurs well also for the star wars stuff that's coming out on disney plus where they announced what was it like 10 shows something like that
3: in I the star know, wars universe yeah. um, we're
4: going to be watching you know Star Wars and, I, and Marvel shows till Edinson. So
3: we're old and gro- oh, never
4: mind. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm I'm liking it now. I'm, You know there is a bit of me that's work that's worried that like with the comics, you know something successful and they they beat it into the ground to death. Like you know oh the X Men are good. Here's seventeen X Men books, <laughs>
4: <laughs> and they're all connected. And uh, each, each like, one has you, Wolverine in it, of course. <laughs> it's true. I think, well, I mean, for the last decade, I've really, you know, I'm under the impression in Kevin, we trust, like yeah. in Feige, in, in right? Because um, he, like, you know, as crazy as some of the stuff that they've done over the last decade with these movies or whatever they've done, it just has worked every single time. I mean, even the worst, whatever you feel that may be. You know, whatever movie you didn't like, or whatever they've only Marvel has thing.
3: only had one failure so far, truthfully, and that was Inhumans.
4: Yeah, well, that was that TV show thing, but and I am yeah. talking about the MCU, the movie. Like the, well, that movie, was that Kevin was Feige, that, Kevin Feige that, had nothing Mikey, to do with Inhumans.
3: That was supposed to be part of the MCU, and that was supposed to be tied completely in,
4: but it didn't and, have anything to do with Feige. They, they they only let the Inhumans do the TV show after they abandoned the movie concept. Right. So, um, so, but as far as, you know, everything that Feige has touched, because they're so well produced, they're so well done. Um, like I said, even at their worst, they're still better than, you know, 95% of the stuff that's out there.
5: And the the funny thing is, I mean, again, how how different is this than when we were kids when there was one show that you threw all, your you know, Buck Rogers was the height of science fiction at the time, you know, but. Um, and now we're we're swimming in this stuff, so that even if there is a clinker or two, a clunker or two in in the t- the shows that are coming out on Disney Plus, it still won't be anything bad enough to sink the ship. You know, we're we're enjoying with there's too much other stuff to enjoy. And you, when you watch what the MCU has done, they've they are they may be a formula or a template or a template and no form. You know what I mean? The, not every movie that they put out has has followed the same, the same template. You've got a seventies action thriller and, you know, in, in winter soldier, you've got a heist film and Ant-Man you've got, you know, um, the, the Kirby, like, you know, grandeur of the first Thor movie is, is, is maybe not as high as it should have flown, but it still flew, you know, so that to see so much good stuff coming out, we really have, don't have that much to complain about
2: we live in the world where there are multiple Ant-Man movies that were successful. (laughs) I never could have dreamed of that when I was a kid. Exactly. (laughs)
4: That's so true. So true. All right. So um, going forward. um, So now that uh, WandaVision is behind us um, going forward, what is something from WandaVision that you personally want to see continue? Like what is, where are you at? Like what, what from this do you want to see? Are you interested most to follow up with? Is it Wanda? Is it some of the other characters? Is it some other storyline? Uh, John, we'll start with you.
5: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the white vision in the comics, but having seen him fly around on screen, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back again. Um, at the same time, I'm, I'm a big Doctor Strange fan. I enjoyed the first film, but I'm, I'm tingly to see what they, they do in the sequel. Uh, and the funny thing is the if you guys remember back they attributed the magic in Thor to to super advanced science where they say almost hinting that there is no magic in the universe and no magic in our universe anyway we've come to the point now where there's several threads going at the same time probably if not culminating at least crashing together in the next Doctor Strange movie so I don't know if that was a change in, in policy or just something that they held off on Producing or to to pushing down that road just to see how things went first, I don't know, but it is different than when when they first launched it
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kevin I am excited that, like with Chekhov's gun, if you leave Agatha Harkness in Westview waiting to be unhypnotized and go off. It's going to happen at some point. Is this going to happen in some Dr. Strange movie? I don't know. Is this going to happen in WandaVision season two, where each episode is like a different like detective show from <laughs> each decade? like the first episode's Dragnet, and then they're doing the Mod Squad. <laughs> Whatever it is, oh, uh, I, I am here for Katherine Hahn reprising that role.
4: You know what? I, I'm going to piggyback on that, too, because I, I, I'm with you. Because they have, with Katherine Hahn... As Agatha, they have a like, – because one thing that I will say about Marvel, sometimes they haven't developed their bad guys as much as they could, right? Mm-hmm. As, as much as they should, um, some of them are lacking. But Agatha is a, is, a, is a really special character that I could see her interacting, you know, either for the good or for the bad, kind of like a Loki-type character. Chaos character. That could show up where you least expect it and and you know know what the agenda is going to be um and she could have she could have so much fun with that i i was not really familiar with katherine Han to be honest with you before this and i am a fan now she is she has won me over uh this show has like yeah i'm i'm amazed oh, i want to see too. more of her i want to see more of her mike what's something uh that you from this show that you want to see continue
3: well it's only a matter of time till we see agatha again I do want to see what happens now with White Vision, because he's going to be popping up, most likely. They they, they can't call him that.
4: No, I know they
3: can't. (laughs) He'll just be Vision, because, you know.
4: I think in the credits, he's listed as the Vision. Like, instead of of just Vision, he's listed as the Vision. The
3: Vision. He is the Vision. But, yeah, um, I enjoyed it. And just curious, like I said, where they're going with all these different projects and... I'm enjoying the roller coaster ride and it's just going up, 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 but eventually it will have to go down and I'm afraid of what that's going to be.
4: All right. We're almost done with this, but I cannot, cannot, st- uh, you know, stop talking about WandaVision until we give some time to Monica. I don't think we've done. Oh, we haven't even we haven't, brought haven't, her up we yet. We haven't even really talked about Monica and her storyline and her journey through this. And the fact that, yes, we're going to see more of her, uh, I believe her. The actress's name is Teona Paris. I believe that's. I'm pronouncing that right. I hope. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think so. uh, um, she's she, she's already she signed on too. for.
3: She's already signed on for Captain Marvel too. So
4: yeah, she she wowed me, and I think she's she's. I expect great things from her. I, I could see that coming. She's she's a great uh, Monica Rambo. Uh, I know that in comics, Monica's character has gone through some, you know, some crazy <laughs> things. I think she's had like like six different names mm-hmm. <laughs> uh spectrum photon you know captain marvel uh, captain marvel etc cetera, etc cetera. she so, was the
3: first female captain marvel dude
4: she doesn't have her superhero name yet
3: no but she just got her powers technically a couple of days ago so i think <laughs> you know as as far as the show goes but also i want to give credit this we the scene where that you got to see what actually happened to the people who came back from the snap. Mm-hmm. That was that was just awesome. We have to mention that, yeah. in the scene in that hospital where people were just coming back and going because they did it in Peter in the last Spider Man movie. Um, where they had people coming back, but they just popped up, you know, out of nowhere. Like, and they they did it for humor, but with the the kids at the basketball game and the band popping back up right in the middle of the game. But this is showing what it was like being a person who came back from nowhere, and you know, you saw the dust particles reappear and reform them and literally to them no time had gone by and she was sitting there with her mom who was in the hospital getting radiation treatment mm-hmm. yeah. and you know it was it was just awesome and she just happened to run into the same doctor 5 years later you know who just happened to be on duty
2: I love the interaction between her and Randall Park and Cat Dennings. Mm-hmm. I'd love a show where the three of them team up and solve mysteries. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. Right. I would love to see a Cat Denning and, Jimmy you know, Woo. Jimmy Woo uh, X-Files type show. I think that would okay. be just amazing. And, you know, and then, you know, and Monica being like their their lead or whatever, the captain, you know.
2: Hell, I'd watch a show where they open a diner together.
3: <laughs> and
4: they all be broke? What? <laughs> I'm I'm I was kind of surprised with all the sitcom talk, you know, especially once Kat Dennings entered the, the the dome or whatever uh Westview. I, I thought I'm like, oh, surely they're going to play around with something with like two broke girls, but they
3: I they loved did. how she became the escape artist. That was just yeah. awesome.
4: <laughs> she was great. <laughs> um yeah, and I think I think we will see. You know, a lot of these characters, again, that maybe, you know, uh, they just kind of put in there to see, you know. And and who knows? Maybe we even will see Evan Peters again. Like, maybe that's not done. You know, it didn't land very well, but maybe, just maybe, Marvel has other plans.
3: I could have sworn he was going to be the missing person. I thought he his character, whoever, you know. Oh, the owner, the witness guy? The Yeah, the, the uh, witness the,
4: that Jami Wu was, yeah. Yeah, I
3: mean, he was, who was missing, you know. Yeah. Maybe
4: uh, I don't think there's going to be a, a, a series or a uh, <laughs> a movie about <laughs> Ralph Boner. <laughs> really? The, the, the Ralph Boner mystery. <laughs> well, the thing is, that was a nice
3: little nod to, uh, was it family ties? Yeah. You know, uh,
4: it wasn't family ties. It was uh, 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 the one pain? with
3: growing pains. Yeah.
4: Growing yeah. Pains. Cause they had I, a neighbor that was the neighbor, neighbor boner. Yeah. So, uh, but, um, anyway, um, yeah, that's, that's WandaVision. So, uh, thanks guys. Uh, we, I think we, we talked up a, a good amount and, uh, I appreciate you guys joining us and we'll be right back to close out the show.
3: It was all a dream. It's Who's been messing up everything?
0: It's been all yeah. the hey everybody, Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. The Grammys were this past weekend, and speaking of weekend, one artist you didn't see on the Grammys was the weekend, even though After Hours was a huge album this past year. Um, he's got three Grammys, but he was shut out this past year, and he wasn't Happy about it. He is now boycotting the Grammys permanently. Like all award shows, the Grammys are hard to follow, not real accountable, kind of kind of messed up. They use these uh, secret anonymous com- uh, committees that look at the initial uh, nomination choices by the voters from the Recording Academy. There's so there's no accounting, you know, why something's not accepted. But when he didn't get nominated last November. The weekend called him out, said they were corrupt and they lacked transparency, which is true. They do. Um, and he says, because of the secret committees, I will no longer allow my label to submit my music to the Grammys. And you know his label hates that because a Grammy win when you get one is a huge marketing tool. So we'll see how this goes in future years. Will the system uh, change or will The weekend give in? We'll see. Uh, Z2 Comics has uh, uh, done a graphic novel series. They've based some books on Cypress Hill, Charlie Parker, and Elvis. And now they're releasing Blondie Against the Odds. Uh, it's in pre-order for late fall. Uh, it's a history of the band um, with some artistic interpretations of 10 of their songs. It's by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, illustrated by John McCrae. Uh, there's four editions of this one. You start with the, the standard, the hardcover, the softcover at $39.99, and you work your way up to the super deluxe, which is $500. And as you go up the chain, it adds a limited edition silver ink cover, slip cover by uh, Jason Levesque, art prints, postcards, a 12-inch, a music bundle, but no non-fungible tokens. No mention of those. Uh, also in pre-order from Z2 for June is a uh, Holy Diver based on the album cover art from Ronnie James Dio that had the song. Uh, it's written by Steve Niles with art by Scott Hampton. Uh, for this one you can get the, uh, just the graphic novel for 20 bucks. The special edition includes a vinyl picture disc of the album and some art prints and you can pick that up for 100 So some really nice stuff out there if you are a Comics, graphic novel fan, as well as a music fan. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. Check out my blogs at ESO com and com.
6: That's all for now. We'll catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us... It's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela. And this week, this geek girl is talking about The Expanse Season 1. So I'm a little bit late to the game on starting The Expanse, but holy cow, I have and I'm loving it. The TV show has changed from the book some, but they work out well with those changes for the flow of the show. I will say, just like the first book, the first season is slower than the later seasons of the show. It's way more a mystery space adventure than in later seasons where it's just like a space adventure but that makes a lot of sense since they have no idea what they're dealing with with the proto molecule yet in the first season and the first book getting used to the style of the show having three or four storylines is is hard at first but knowing the characters as you go along and growing with them and their journey really really help make you either love some of the characters or want to see them get their just dues as you go along for the other characters who aren't as nice. I also really like the addition of Christian, a book early. She is such a great character and she really, really helps introduce Earth in the first book so you at least know where some of these characters are coming from. For those who do not know, The Expanse is a show about Earth, Mars, and the Belt, an alien substance that is like a parasite shows up and is being tested like a weapon. A group of Martians, Earthers, and Belters are trying their best to figure out how to stop it after watching it devastate a space station. You also have a lot of backstory on how Mars and Earth are at arms with each other, and how the Belters just kind of want to be their own group but they're kind of being oppressed by both Mars and Earth. This story is very interesting and has so many woven threads to it that it just makes you want to watch more. So far, I've gotten to season three, and I can't wait to see what happens next in it. Also, there's a pretty amazing group of actors in this show, so I would totally check it out. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
3: So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station 1 podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us here tonight. John McCarthy, you did it, man. You made it through another episode with us.
5: Oh, thank you guys for having me on.
3: Just remember to have the valet punch your card when you go. You know, when you get 10 appearances, you get a free appearance. Well, that's good. Anything <laughs> you want to shout out about, sir?
5: Um, I've been watching, uh, running through the DC animated stuff on uh, HBO Max. Um, try to watch them in what is supposed to be some kind of thematic order, Flashpoint on up, and uh, it's been fun. Although I find them a little bit on the uh, on the rough and brutal side, you know, far more bloody than I think they have to be. But I have missed a lot of them the first time around, so I'm going to I'm making sure that I go through as many as I can right now.
3: I'm really looking yeah, I... forward to that Justice Society one. They're ready.
4: Ooh, butter. that's a good. I just watched uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, and yeah, that was (laughs) pretty brutal.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much so. But thank you, sir, for joining us. We do always appreciate you popping up here.
4: Love
5: talking to you guys. Thank you for having me.
3: And Kevin, you made it through your first episode, sir.
2: Wow, I feel much like Wanda uh, changed, but better for the experience, and uh, I'm also going to forget to apologize.
3: Exactly. But I, lo- I love that new crown you're wearing. It's pretty awesome.
2: Well, you know, it's a manifestation of, of my powers. so deal with it.
5: Exactly. We, didn't
3: talk about, we
2: didn't talk about the goofy costumes.
3: Well, that's true. We didn't talk Ooh. about the goofy costumes. That'll be on the, the next one. Don't worry. There'll be more talk about it. And of course, Kevin, anything you want to shout out about or promote?
2: Sure. I'll talk about my podcast that I do, which is called Gleaming the Tube. And it's about movies that in some way involve skateboarding. And you can find that where podcasts are or at gleamingthetube.net. I'd also uh, mention that for the past couple of weeks and this coming Thursday at 9 p.m., I've been hanging out with the, those lovable scamps. At Dragon Con's American Sci Fi Classics track. And we've oh, been those doing, guys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been doing the fictional Battle of the Bands and trying to figure out which made up musical act reigns supreme. Uh, so it's it's been a crazy ride. And I think, yeah, I think the Thursday after this comes out will be part three, where hopefully the Electric Mayhem from the Muppets will take on all comers. <laughs> oh. they just need to stick
3: sick animal after them. And they will go, ah, 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 and I'll take care of the rest. I could see it. That is awesome. And Mr. Mike, we made it through
4: another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you got to shout out about? I do. I got to give a shout out to a new publication, um, that just hit Amazon and, and all other places, uh, It is the second volume. This covers season two of Batman 66. It is called Biff Bam E. Wow. uh, The Subterranean Blue Grotto Guide to Batman 66. And this is season two. Um, It's being put together by uh, Jim Beard. is the editor, the main editor of this. And it features um, essays on each of the episodes of uh, the Batman 66 series in season two. And it's provided by such notable names as... Peter David, uh, Keith DeCandito, Greg Cox. Uh, I also believe that um, uh, Michael Friedman did one. Um, Our good friend Alan J. Porter uh, provided an essay. And... The award winning uh, author himself, Bobby Nash, uh, did uh, a, uh, an essay in this as well. So uh, pick it up. Um, it's, it's pretty affordable. It's like you should still get volume one available as well. So um, uh, look for that. Uh, we'll put a link in it. It's available through Amazon.
3: Most excellent. Oh,
4: bad bio, Mike.
3: <laughs> he's been waiting all night to say that, I'm sure. At least once a night. <laughs> exactly. Of course. Uh, Big shout out. We are growing once again and very happy to announce we have a new show on the ESO network. That's right, folks. We have a Star Trek podcast after years of people asking about it. And we actually a long time ago had a Deep Space Nine podcast on the network, but that went bye bye long, long time ago.
4: And a Voyager one.
3: Yeah, that's true. We did real briefly had a Voyager one. Real (laughs) briefly. Really really briefly. Really (laughs) briefly. But yes.
2: We're going to cover all the good episodes.
3: (laughs) So all two episodes of Voyager. (laughs) So let's welcome Earth Station Trek to the network. And check it out. They already have nine episodes under their belt. And it's our friend, of course, our Alan Seiler. Uh, Veronica Belmont and her husband, right? Charles? Charles, yep. Yep. And of course, Keith is part of the show, too. And Johnson, Mr. Keith Johnson, the man who has so much knowledge, he just had to be part of a podcast or he was just going to explode everywhere. So we're very happy to have them part of the network. And they have been talking about some great stuff. They've actually gotten a couple of Star Trek celebrities already on the show. And right. it's pretty cool and highly recommend it. And... I'm the proud papa of the show. You know, it was my idea, and I put these folks together, and they are doing an amazing job. And I'm very happy that they are. the The chemistry is there, the the funness is there, and you could hear it in their voices and the excitement. I think they're going to be around for a while. So definitely check them out. You just go to eso and you could find their episodes up there, or just go to Trek dot com. You could also find them there. And, of course, part of the Facebook group. Got to do that, too. Join us again next week. We are going to the movies once again, And we are going to be looking. Ready for this, folks? We are looking at The Commitments. That's right. One of my favorites. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And Ashley Pauls has never seen this one. So it's going to be even more fun to hear her reaction to this one. So it's Irish music at its best. So it should be. A lot of fun to hear Irish soul, and we'll all be singing along with it, I hope. So, it's kind of neat. So, until then, I want to say thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast, as always. But you can also find Earth Station One is powered by NSC. We can find them at www.nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music And Audible. That's right. Audible even has podcasts now. Everywhere has podcasts. And Earth Station One is there. So please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yeah, we're not too proud to beg. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, and of course you have Kevin Cafferty and John McCarthy, who is always... A great person to have around it is always my pleasure to listen and thank you for being here and listening to our show and we will see you next time here on the earth station one podcast peace and take care ciao and we're done no hexes for you <laughs>
2: <laughs> what is podcast if not love persevering <laughs>